I'm Alex. I'm James. And I'm Dan. Welcome to episode 21 of the Ragamuffin Music Podcast. This is a place where we get together every month to talk about the latest news, music and trends in the world of alternative music. On this episode, we'll be reviewing the last new singles from Holding Absence and Alpha Wolf from their split EP The Lost and the Longing, plus new singles from Slipknot and Slaughter to Prevail, as well as the latest albums from Stick to Your Guns and I Prevail. And we're going to be talking about Reading and Leeds. Is it getting worse? What's going on? Could be. (laughs) (laughs) But first, some news. First up, Loathe have made the decision to cancel their UK and European tour in order to complete their new album. Um, In a statement, they've said, we're currently in the penultimate stages of completing our new album, which the tour was initially booked to promote, and believe that opening up our time to focus entirely on the new music is the correct thing to do. Yeah, that's fair play to them. Like, got to have the right kind of focus on it, and the guests want to give that music the attention it deserves. Turnstile have parted ways with the guitarist Brady Ebert. They read, put out a statement saying that Turnstile and guitarist Brady Ebert are parting ways. We're deeply grateful for our time together. Our love for him continues and we wish him nothing but the best moving forward. Love Turnstile. Bloodstock announced 10 bands for 2023, including two massive headliners. Those headliners are Killswitch Engage and Megadeth. And the rest of the lineup includes Knock Loose, Devil Driver, Decapitated, Fit for an Autopsy, King 810, some illegible <laughs> deathcore band and unto others. <laughs> Pretty fucking good, I, I think. I can't wait for a legible deathcore band. <laughs> I'm trying. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Show me. Gate Creeper. Oh, okay. Fair or right. Gate Creepers. Gate Creeper or Gate Keeper? Something about a gate. <laughs> <laughs> All we know is there's a gate involved. I'm actually quite intrigued to see how the rest of the lineup shakes out because this is a very, very good first announcement. Yeah, seeing this kind of come out straight away. There's never been a, a strong Bloodstock year that I've seen necessarily that's grabbed me in. And this is the first one that I think has a lot of potential for that. So I'm going to be keeping a very close eye on this. Yeah, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on it because we've never been to Bloodstock and we would quite like to go, I think. Definitely, definitely. Let's nice talk number. about the young blood neck, de- neck deep one. Do you want to talk about No, I don't know. No. <laughs> I think the tweet spoken spoken. It's just a joke, isn't it? The, the tweet was a joke. <laughs> not, not... <laughs> Leave this in, please. <laughs> Do you want to talk uh, I, f- I found it amazing how... Many people saw a Defend Pop Punk mm. joke in 2022 and took it seriously. Thing is, good for them, but it's, it's the wrong way around. Yeah. But good for them. We had a busy summer. We didn't do any album recommendations, but now it's back. James, what did you recommend? I recommended Kenny Hoopla's Survivor's Guilt after seeing some incredible performance from him this summer. So gave you both a chance to re-listen to it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the artists that Travis Barker worked with kind of produced very similar generic sounding work, but this is one of the exceptions, I think. It's just packed full of bangers. Every single song, there's something great about it. Loads and loads of hooks. And as James has mentioned, Kenny's worked so hard this year, touring relentlessly. We've seen him a couple of times. And he's one of the highlights of the summer for me. Both sets we yeah. saw at Slam Dunk and 2000 Trees were so much fun. He was incredible, yeah. And they all translated so well live he's a very very talented front man and performer so. very entertaining I recommended Sully's Wake Up Next To Me an artist that I've recommended previously both from his solo work and from his his old band Crooks I feel like this kind of meets those two project, projects in the middle so I was excited to hear what you two thought about it I really liked it <laughs> it took me a couple of songs to sort of get into it but then once I was in I was like just really really enjoying it I think Distant and Follow were the two that stood out the most for me. Um, Distant especially, very like loyal Kana um, vibes from that mm-hmm. one. And I really liked how the ha- the album ended with just that beat playing for like pretty much a solid minute just to sort of wrap it up. I thought it was really great. I like, sometimes it's nice to just wallow in like the emotions that he's conveying on this album. It's, I think it's quite a healthy thing to just like make yourself sad for about half an hour and then like... Mm. Yeah, you know, the album's done. You're like, oh, I feel a bit better now. So, yeah, it for, is for me, like it a, had that sort of therapy. It's like a bit it. of a therapy session for the yeah. listener, and it feels like a therapy session for him as an artist as well. Just putting everything into this album. Yeah, I'd be quite interested to see how it translates live. No, I agree. I think it it very much shows that merging of the two different ones you recommended before. I thought it was a bit too long, um, so it kind of went on for me. But I loved how each song would pretty much seamlessly flow from one into another and it felt like every song had the right attention it needed and you kind of had good standouts and 
it wasn't like the same, but overall it was also thought very continuously in terms of like the grand scheme of the whole album together. Um, so I think that's that's a very clever thing to be able to do because that's not easy. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a part that I really like about this album is there's almost like a storyline in it. Mm, yeah. In those little like just spoken bits to, at the end and going into the start of the next some of the songs. Like there's a bit of him getting in the taxi and then just getting out and walking. And then he kind of carries on that story at the end of another song. Yeah, I, and I think like with all that taken into consideration with it, and it made it a very easy listen. Um, you said Follow was a big one for you and I enjoyed that and I enjoyed Lately and Crush as well. I think they were very good. And it, yeah, like I say, it was easy to play from start to finish. It's not anything I naturally go towards, I think. But it's very... I can see it's something easily to have on in the background. Um, and yeah, surprised me, actually. Okay, I gave it... I heard it a few times, and then I found myself going back and listening to it more than I thought, actually, as well. So, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, very compelling storytelling. I think that's what made it so easy to just sort of... Once I started the album... It was just so easy to see to it through. Easy to just continue it yeah. all the way through. Yeah. Loved it. And nice. I recommended Malevolence with Malicious Intent. I found it interesting listening to this um, about how much I knew just based on like the multiple times we've seen them this year. And I found myself singing lyrics without even properly realising it. Um, just energetic, packed with riffs. I love his vocal tone. Um, it's so strong. It's so forceful. Um just so much impact in it and um i'm glad we've kind of gone back to this because i think this could be an album of the year contender um yeah i need to give this so many more listens and start delving into them more because the reception we've seen from them at festivals even at outbreak when it's a secret step that came out but before actually knowing they were going to be there so many t-shirts out and about for it they've grown so much i think especially this summer um, i think you should get one of those crop tops with like the glitter on <laughs> Yeah, I'll should. consider it. I'll consider it. Let's let's find out. Because especially if they play a festival next year, I may wear it. We'll all get one. Cute. Oh, that'd be a great look. Sun's out, thumbs out. <laughs> Done. Uh, yeah, just listening back to these songs kind of transports me back to seeing them live, which we which we have many times this year. I've lost count of how many times. I think it might be three or four. I think it's like now. three times in three months <laughs> at one point. Yeah. Um, it just seemed like they were everywhere. But yeah, it transports me back to like feeling that urge of seeing the big circle put open up and wanting to dive into it. They've got like very unique sounding rifts and some insanely heavy breakdowns. But even like the lighter moments, like on Higher Place, just sound awesome. And yeah, this band's getting a lot of attention at the moment. They fully deserve it. Yeah, I think it's really interesting with this album that we see it's a trend quite a lot at the moment in heavy music of people taking a lot of like new metal influences. Whereas this feels like it's got a lot of like just classic straight up heavy metal, a lot of groove metal. There's a lot of like Pantera style riffing in this, and like there's just there's like an old school like feel to it for me, which I really like. But at the same time, it's completely new. And then they have these moments of like absolutely ridiculous slamming breakdowns. And yeah, I think the thing that stands out for me is the riffing throughout the whole album is exceptional. I find it very unique, and there's not a lot I can compare them to. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I mean. They're they're taking influences that I don't think anyone else is taking at the moment, and putting it into something that's really really exciting. I think there's a lot of bands out there trying really hard to stand out at the moment, which is understandable because it's a really competitive kind of market at the moment. But Malevolence are just Effort, going back to basics yeah. and just doing everything really well. It shows that fundamentals work. Keep it nice, keep it easy. Gonna do bits. Absolutely. And they're great live. Yes, can definitely oh, yeah. to that. Shall we review some even newer music now? Yeah, let's do it. We got the final two pieces of the Holding Absence Alpha Wolf puzzle in Coffin. Oh, fuck me, <laughs> I can't speak. The last two songs from Holding Absence and Alpha Wolf's split EP have come. That's Coffin and 60 Centimeters of Steel. We'll talk about both songs. And the EP as a whole, but we'll start with Coffin first. What do we think? I think it's just a very beautiful and emotive song. Um, for just having this track, but in the in the scheme of the EP, it's a nice closer to that, and a very nice change in dynamic compared to the other three songs we've got in there. Um, and I think it just proves that I think Holding Absence cannot write a song that is just less than stellar. Um, 
the intro and outro where you've just kind of got Lucas on the piano, I think is very, very nice. Uh, very beautiful before everything else kind of kicks in and it feels like there's big crescendos that lead up to a nice, powerful chorus. I think it shows in particular as well why Lucas's vocals are just, I think, not just some of the best like in this kind of scene, but I think the best in all of music. He kind of knows when to kind of go all out and go at 100% and then also in the delicate moments when to pull back. And there aren't many vocalists who can kind of cater to both styles so seamlessly, especially within one song. So I think this is a very special track. Yeah, I, I think it's a gorgeous song. Um, we, <laughs> yes, <laughs> gorgeous. Yes. We could talk forever about how great Lucas's voice is. We've talked about it for ages in the past. But great vocals are almost nothing without a great melody for it to float on as well. Yeah. And luckily, Holding Absence are... That they excel at writing melodies like this that not only soar with Lucas's vocals but become like a massive earworm um, that will stick with you for hours if not days. I kind of expected it to burst into one last big chorus at the end like James mentioned in the reaction video that he did but I kind of like the feeling of calm and the isolation of just Lucas and the piano which kind of mirrors how it starts as well. So yeah I'm quite happy with the way the song ends as well. You're right Alex, Sorry, you yeah, can't I'm go just, over gorgeous can you? Like gorgeous. gorgeous. I loved it. Yeah, I feel like they've got this wisdom and elegance that's like beyond their years in their songwriting. It's been nice. Like I've had friends at work that I've introduced it to Holding Absence and they'd seen this song pop up as uh, just a new song on Spotify and they got the notification for it. And then they've then mentioned to me like they want to come with us next time we see them play live because they just love this song. They've gone back and listened to other songs by them. And I think it just fits in perfectly in terms of their whole discography. And it just shows how strong they are at writing music, to be honest. So then the other song, the final one that came out a few days, I think before release, was 60 Centimetres of Steel. Uh, Alf Wolf featuring Lucas. Alex, what do you think of it? Smashing. I like, um, I feel like we got a taste of Lucas on something heavy with Aching Longing. That was sort of like a heavy holding absence song. Whereas this is like him on a heavy, heavy song. And it's just, it's exciting to hear a vocalist that we all really love do something like different but also can really suits him and sort of just shows a different side to what he can do and also i think um i think more bands should do split eps i know we're going to talk about the whole thing as a whole in a minute but like this has been a perfect entry point for me to getting into alpha wolf so yeah the song's really cool and like they've made a new fan out of me hopefully the same has happened for people who are new to holding absence yeah, I agree. This has been this EP has been like a great opportunity to to introduce or a great introduction for me at least to Alpha Wolf. I've been listening to them a lot more now. For me, I think I'd I'd known a bit more of Alpha Wolf before the two of you. I'd heard some of it, so going into it knowing there was a split EP had me very excited for you guys to get to know them. But I think this fits in and shows a very strong part of their discography, particularly with this song. I think Lockie's vocals having the dynamic between him and Lucas and then having them, but like, like you say, both together in the chorus where you can kind of hear some of Lockie's screams underneath. I think there is a very nice dynamic to it. Um, I think it's very groovy. Um, groovy. Really groovy. I think it's, just, it's a lovely breakdown at the end to finish it off. I do love a song when just breakdown to close it off. It's simple. It's effective. Um, and kind of to wrap it up and bring it to the whole EP. I think it's just been a, a massive success, to be honest, for both bands. Like you said, Alex, it's going to get fans of both sides to go and check out the other bands. Um, they've both benefited from engaging with each other's audience. Um, so many comments I've seen, especially I, I checked in, I think, on a couple, two of the video premieres and, and saw how many people were back and forth being introduced to it. And we've got four brand new songs here that are absolute bangers that so many people enjoy. We've managed to see Aching Long in live, and that's fantastic as well. Um the collaboration was a complete success, I'd say. Resisting the urge to say great success in a Borat voice there. <laughs> great success. Also, was, was that Borat? I don't know. <laughs> also, Hotel Underground is a top five song of the year. So, You have not stopped playing that it's recently. It's always good when, a, when a, a fierce contender emerges. So, nice one. Another song in Slipknot's new chapter, and that's Yen. What do we think? Uh, I, b I believe my review of Slipknot's last single that they released was along the lines of, yeah, it's a Slipknot song. Um, but I find Yen far more interesting. There's kind of something about the build-up from the start with just Corey and that sound of crackling flames in the background that sort of builds some tension, I guess. Um, I like how the chorus feels slightly more intense each time it comes around as well. 
and then the kind of record scratching acts as a bit of a bridge taking us into the slightly heavier final section yes it's still a slipknot still just a slipknot song but there's also something else a bit more unique to it compared to the dying song i think it is it's a completely different vibe from dying song a chapter on rag and that has me a lot more excited it like you say it's kind of a very different kind of more laid back chilled eerie and still dark i think intro as it kind of comes in with Corey's vocals which kind of gives me some iowa vibes a little bit of like the title track from there where it just has a certain ambience to i think the song i think there is like a nice build i do love Corey's vocals on the chorus the way it's delivered i think is very very strong and like you say when sig kind of comes in it gives me a bit of like nostalgia for some of the old music hearing more of that scratching um jay's got some nice drum work there's a point where he transitions onto the ride that I think just sounds really, really nice and fits the song perfectly. And I enjoy this, and I definitely think this is this is an improvement on the dying song. And um, and now a little bit more optimistic, I think, about the end so far. I kind of feel like I'm going through waves of my expectations. Yeah, every time I listen to this song, I feel like I'm pulled in more and more. The first time I listened to it, I wasn't really that impressed. But I think it has this sort of swaying, like, like false sense of security feeling to it, which I is like every time I listen to it now, I'm like more and more like just becoming more and more obsessed with the song. And I I really like the sort of creepiness that it gives off. It's quite a sinister vibe, especially the way the melody is constructed. Um, I think it takes a lot of skill to like have something be sung clean and be creepier and in a way like darker and heavier than what you could have done screaming it which is something that's sort of not a really able a, able to do really well you see it on songs like gently um, oh yeah and like vermilion and it's the same sort of thing again for me it's like the ability to show that restraint for like a big portion of the song and then like you said down every time the chorus comes back it's that bit more intense bit more angry and then it just feels like a full-on like eruption um and yeah, we all said it, but the scratching section for Sid, loved it. Because, yeah, it's nice because I, some, I feel like they've definitely outgrown the new metal label that they were attached to at the start of their career. But it's nice to know that they're not in any way like shying away from those elements that mm-hmm. were so profound on the first album. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm now quite excited for the new album. This has been my favourite song so far. A year on from Costalon, Slaughter to Prevail are back with 1984. That's a bit of a stomper, isn't it? It is. I, I love, they've been teasing this for a while and it was just building my anticipation. I was like, please be good, please be good, please be good. Um, and then you can see from like our reaction video, I loved it. It was so fun. Um, just a frantic intro before like, what I think I can only really describe as like a foot stamping riff. Alex's vocals just demand attention as usual. Pinched harmonics, gorgeous. Double bass flurries, fantastic. But the highlight for me is like the riff where it starts to feel like two-stepping. And I'm like, ah, oh. I love it. It feels like Slaughter are developing. They are experimenting and it works. They're trying to push the boundaries even more from what they've done. And I think that keeps them interesting. It keeps them exciting. And it makes me more and more anticipated for what they could do next. Felt like familiar Slaughter, but now to another scale. And we're trying so much more and we're expanding. And yeah, I'm just excited for that. The thing I like the most is that they just make it fun. Like, there are a lot of deathcore bands out there. And the thing is, like, I don't even know if moving forward, like, he said in an interview that he's tired of deathcore and he wants them to keep evolving and keep moving forward, which is, it feels like this is what this song is doing. But they just make it so much, so much fun to listen to, whether it's, like, intricacies on the drums, the way the riffs are structured, or, like, even him switching between Russian and English on songs throughout Costalon just makes it fun. And at the end of the day, it's supposed to enjoy music. So I just, every time I listen to this band, it's just like a good time. But also I think it's quite important for them to be to be talking about the topic that they are, quite an anti-war message in this song, which is obviously complicated for them because it, the moment they're um, in the process of leaving Russia to move to the, U- the US because the combination of being anti-war and playing heavy music for them is like dangerous over there. That just sort of adds another bit more weight to the song. Yeah, that was the main point that I had, really, was because from what I've heard, it seems to be a brave move to publicly object Mm. to that war. So, yeah, it's good for them to... And it's not the first time they've been outspoken about it as well. So 
very good of them to kind of. I believe they cancelled shows in Russia because of it. They just they just said we don't yeah. agree with well, this. I remember Alex putting a statement out, pretty much saying like, to our fans, we don't agree with what's going on. Which, when they're in, they're not like massively famous, obviously. But when you're of a certain status and you're you've got an audience and you're stating publicly, state, publicly stating anti-war views, then yeah, it's quite a brave thing to do. I think. Yeah. If, if any festival organisers are listening. Please, please book if you Slaughter. Book, if you book them, we'll come to your festival. 100%. We're there. Guaranteed. And we'll make a vlog of it. Yes, for sure. And we'll say nice things about your festival. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, unless you're truck. Yeah, <laughs> so was I. <laughs> truck festival, if you're listening, you can redeem yourself by booking, <laughs> by booking Slaughter to prevail next year. Even that'll get me And emptying the toilets. <laughs> oh, we're so silly. <laughs> Ocean's 8 Alaska are back with another song, Nova. Uh, they've also announced... Uh, the third album being out on September the 1st, Disparity. And I am extremely, extremely fucking excited for that. To go into the song like straight from the start, the dissonant guitars just feels like a warning. And it's fun. It's heavy. I like how I think in through the Hakari era when they had Jake there as a vocalist, they explored more melodic sides to them with songs like Hansha. And it feels like now they've got Jim back. Um that they've kind of kept that melodic side and then incorporated his slightly different vocals to it. And it feels like a nice merging and progression like through their discography to look back from like albums one, two, and three. The instrument was just heavy as fuck, enjoyable. The song progressions are nice. I feel like you kind of get a bit of each side of them with like the melodic side, like I said, especially with the end part and then just the fun heaviness. Um, I'm just very, very excited to see them next month in a very small place out underworld in London. It's going to be fun. And I'm already thinking this could end up being on an album of the year shortlist for me. It's funny you say that because the first note I've written down is that those dissonant chords in the intro is literally like a panic alarm of like, hey, up, you're about to get fucked up. <laughs> hey, um, up. hey, up. There's a breakdown coming in. <laughs> hey, cameraman. <laughs> There's a wall of death coming. Hey, up, watch your back, cameraman. There's a spin kick there. <laughs> that we're making. Um, it's a very niche reference. Very niche reference that I don't think we've done on a, on recording yet. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> the first time. Only something we reference off the air. <laughs> off the air. <laughs> the radio. I like this song. It's very heavy. The cleans that are pretty sparse, but they're like a nice little reprieve from the brutality of it. I already thought it was an awesome song with like a great gentle riff, a few little breaks with like some clean vocals, like Alex was saying. And then I got to about the two minute mark where it starts to kind of kick off and just descend into breakdowns and just immense heaviness. And then I just loved it even more. Um, I really like the lyric, stare at the abyss, asking if I'll be missed as well. There's just something so like edgy and mm. dark about it. Electric Callboy released Hurricane. And I think it's time to admit it now, they're the best band of all time. Because <laughs> this is just amazing. I think we all had the same sentiment. The first time I listened to it, I... I literally laughed out loud at the switch yep. up yep i was just i was led in bed and i was just like what the hell i mean i laughed out loud from the beginning yeah. first of all just hearing the intro and just how like, the first half of the song goes before even the switch up happened and it's just i just found myself like kind of dancing along to that kind of first bit and just enjoying it it's in german i don't know what they're saying but you know what i love it it's just so much fun um yeah and i, I couldn't care less that i don't know any lyrics I'm just grooving. I think it's something we've said before is like to be a parody, you have to have like a complete mastery of the genre. Yeah. And we've spoken a lot about how they are like perfect at parodying like heavy music. But this song and actually like in retrospect, all of their songs so far have been like perfect parodies of like pop music as well. Yeah. Because this has such a like cheesy 80s vibe. Well, like to it. my like. My first impression of this was watching the music video as well. So <laughs> I had the added impact of like the visuals. Yeah. And uh, apparently like the English speaking audience are talking about how horrific the second half of it is. But apparently the German speaking audience are saying how the real horror is in the German pop bit. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. G German Schlager or whatever it's called. Something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really wish we'd filmed a reaction video for the music video because... If you want to have an idea of how I reacted, go and watch Nick Nocturnal's reaction video because that is pretty much 
my exact reaction. To be fair, he, he nails it right at the beginning where he's like, what do I want out of this? I want a bit of like Eurobeat, uns uns. And then he's like, I just want a bit and of the screams as well. But no, it is absolutely fantastic. Especially that last part. It's almost like the second section is actually also the heaviest they've ever gone. With like pig squeals, just gutturals. Oh yeah, that's, that squeal is good. Um, it is. It's just so nice. Just instant carnage. And it just felt like such a great dynamic of going from the first half to the second half. Um, yeah, German Schlager is the correct term. It's a, a style of European popular music. I mean, they nailed it. I don't. Th- everything this band has done, like this year with the songs they've released, it goes against. I think both of you would probably say if you were to play something like this or like Spaceman, and expect me to be enjoying it and vibing to it, you'd probably just think that's ridiculous. But I see that's the thing as well. They're not just parodying metalcore or like the metal genre as a whole. They're parodying German Schlager. <laughs> Deutsch- Deutsche Schlager? I don't know. Um, they're parodying dance music. They're, they're doing all sorts. And they're doing it well. Yeah. And they're nailing it every single time. And I think, sneakily, I've looked at the album set list, and it is, I mean, it, like, it kicks it off with Pump It, and then we've got the moves. A lot of these songs we've heard, but there's still about half of it we haven't. And I think this could get as well, sneakily, just come on as album of the year contender. And it's out next month, and I can't wait, because I just look forward to enjoying 11 songs where I'm just going to be smiling the whole time of listening to an album. And I don't think there's been an album that's kind of done that before, like in this kind of way, where it's just pure... You can enjoy an album from start to finish, but just kind of the laughing, the smiling as you're going through that and just a different kind of enjoyment. It's just incomparable, I think. And also, I remember them saying their Heavy Music Awards speech for whatever award they won, that they wanted people to smile and laugh listening to their music and that's exactly what it does it's just like constant joy listening to this band so I believe it was best music video they won yes well deserved just love him apparently ABBA use elements of Schlager music so they're considered a Schlager band well there's your fun fact of the day basically anything a bit Eurovision-y yeah I guess it's what Deutsche Schlager Deutsche Schlager Movement's released new song Cherry Thrill found it kind of funky very chilled out it's always great to hear a band trying something different, but I and I did enjoy it on the whole. But I think if this was the f- like if this was the first movement song I'd heard, then I would think I'd love it. But because I'm always going to compare it to the stuff or feel something, and it just doesn't have the kind of power and emotion that those songs did for me. And this is the first movements that I think I've heard on record. That's um, a shame. Cause, yeah, because I think you'd like their other stuff. It's it's like you said, chilled, but it does not appeal. It's fair enough. Shall we move on to some albums? Yes. First up, we've got Stick to Your Guns with Spectre. Just an immensely powerful album, I think. Um for me there's no better lyricist when it comes to like social and political topics than Jesse from Stick to Your Guns. I think he's able to write such a concise but like rallying like revolutionary like come on we're all in this together we need to fix these issues like but then also at the same time he's able to write things that's my favorite lyric actually (laughs) (laughs) but like yeah he can write stuff that's really personal and vulnerable as well um and i think that balance of like looking inward and looking outward is what makes this band so interesting to listen to and what i like about the most about them Uh, i think hush more of us than them and weapon were obviously incredible and more than worthy of being added to their already stellar live set because they've just got so many bangers. But I think also the moments where things like sort of slow down were just as impactful and by slowing it down, the heavier moments have a bit more time to breathe and then the weight to those moments is compounded. So yeah, I think they're re- they're really good at the art of structuring an album because I think Disobedient and Diamond are both albums as well where flow and the peaks and troughs and like just as, a, as an entire piece is a very they've all been like really coherent snapshots of where the world is and where he is at his point in his life yeah. so i i really like this album i am sold on stick to your guns yeah uh, it, it's just a whole thing is packed of great riffs energy um the vocal is just like so much in the forefront melodies that are really catching i think surprise you or at least surprise me um like weapon for example as soon as i reheard it i'm remembering lyrics straight away and it shows how much that's kind of stood out especially after seeing them live 
Um, and like you say, as it progresses through and you kind of get different tones, I think it was Father, which was a really nice change in pace for me as soon as that kind of hit and hearing like how the effects on the vocals with the reverb and the leveling about how him his vocals were like at a distance, I think felt like a nice change of pace, something nice and different. Um, the outro of No Way to Live was a beautiful way to close off the album, really unexpected. And like you said, I think like Hush, More of Us Than Them, and like I said, Weapons still stand out as absolute tunes, but it is a very, very strong album from start to finish. And I've said it a couple of times already today, another one that I feel could be in contention around with the year. It feels like a very strong wrap-up. They released three kind of big singles before this, and the whole album just supports those singles. Uh, very, very, very strong album. I feel like it's a very definitive Stick to Your Guns album. It's got it's heavy and angry, while also being full of hooks and delivering the message that it intends to. There's fast circle pit songs like A World to Win, catchy ones like Weapon, and then some perhaps more subdued songs like Father, which is like a three-minute melodic hardcore interlude, and then the acoustic album Closing No Way to Live as well. So I think it kind of covers everything that Stick to Your Guns are about. And the last album of the month to talk about, I Prevail's True Power. This is a grower. It's definitely a grower. Um, if we start from the beginning of the album, I love the tension that's built up by the intro and then the opening track, There's Fear and Letting Go. It's almost like an eerie welcoming to the album with some cool synth sounds. Uh, kind of charming chorus and a really great breakdown and powerful sounding guitars in the outro. And then you've got Body Bag, which is just a bit nuts, really. Like pounding drums and aggressive vocals giving way to a hectic chorus. And then I love the little Empire of Dirt part before it drops away and descends into insanity for the remainder of the song. And then at the end, there's like the sound of the zip and a boot closing, which I thought was a nice little touch as well. Yeah, I really like it. I think despite my profound love for new metal, some of the like rap elements of this album I could have done without. Um, I actually think that. I think that the vocalist that does that part is his vocals shine better when he's just singing. But yeah, there's some really exciting songs on here, and they're the sort of band now that's like if they're on a bill or they're at a fest, like supporting a band that I love, or they're at a festival. I'm now like a way more inclined to want to check them out. I think Judgment Day and Visceral were the high points of the album, and the outro of Fuck What You Think You Know is gnarly. No, a band that have, have really grown on me over time. I was looking forward to this based on the singles, and like you say, Body Bag was a big one. Um, and then they released Self Destruction, I think, the day before this dropped. And I think like having those two back to back is a nice one too. There's some great riffs, some really unexpectedly heavy breakdowns. Um, I got a lot of Linkin Park vibes going through this. Um, so it kind of gave me a bit of a nostalgia hit. And like you say, there's some of the rapping I could do without, but I think I've just kind of got used to how the dynamic is between the two different vocal styles. Um, staying with the vocals, though, I do love Eric's screams. I think they are some of the best in metalcore. They're so strong, they're so powerful, and yet there feels that there's a lot of emotion behind them. Um, and that they, they kind of like are right in your face for that. Um, there's some nice riffage in the back half of the album with Choke and Visceral, I think, in particular. Um, but it's also too long for an album, I think. 15, yeah, 15 songs is way too much. I always prefer something around the 8 to 10 mark. I feel it's much more digestible. You get a better sense of the band. It's not too much. I'm not getting drained or tired from it. And as much as there's some of these great songs like Choke and Visceral are on the back of half, they could have cut some of the other songs out, kept those ones in in particular, People that see how big this album is may stay away from good songs like that. And that's not a good place to be. If you've got this many songs in the discography, either split the album up and release two albums or be very harsh with them because 15 is way too much. Um, and trying to consume it all is just difficult at that point. I mean, like each of these songs, if you picture it as like a cocktail of huge riffs, breakdowns, some big choruses and mix it all together. Uh, the production as well is like crystal clear. But there's only so many times you can drink the same cocktail over and over again. And 44 minutes of fairly similar sounding songs got a bit tiresome after a while. And then, like Alex mentioned, the the songs with like the rap verses and stuff on them, they're clearly there to mix it up a bit. But they're just not great songs, I don't yeah. think. If they, they cut some of these songs out, it'd make it to be a much stronger album. I, th I think it doesn't help as well. It seems like it's a very front-loaded album. Yeah. A lot of the better songs are towards the start. Yeah. So with it starting to, with it being such a long album and with it starting to drag on a bit, it's almost like you're waiting for something good to happen again. Um, 
that's probably harsh. It's it, they're good songs, yeah. but like something but, to but really I, captivate I, you. I would say the first and it, in, in the last four songs are very very good. yeah. In the latter half, for me, it's maybe only choke and visceral that really stood out. Yeah, but no, no. what do I know? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> we we only listen to the music and criticize it. Yeah. Before we move on, let's shine an independent spotlight. <laughs> oh, I forgot to bring it. Oh, I would love an animated graphic of just like Alex just shining a torch. Just, just me, but it's like like I'm a groundskeeper, like doing my round, like shining a light. <laughs> Who goes there? <laughs> Who's that? Oh, wait, we're close. Someone else introduced it because I'm not. <laughs> no, I think that's a perfect introduction. Keep going. No, someone else is saying. I don't know how else to introduce I don't it want now. To. I'm, I'm just going to keep, I'm I'm keep going. Independent so spotlight. I'm going to keep going. So we asked it's to it. Independent spotlight, but I didn't mean to get. <laughs> I got a bit caught up with the the spotlight analogy. So a band that we featured before, Sharkbait, are back with a new song, Late Bloomer. I mean, something I really like about Sharkbait is that, despite how pop punk can be kind of naturally restrictive and quite generic in what you can do with it, they keep managing to do something new every time they release a new single. Um, with this song in particular, the first chorus injects like a huge amount of energy into the song, um, and then throughout there's just like like high paced drum beats, like keeping the energy going. And then I really like the double vocals towards the end as well. Yeah, I think they really they blend like sort of typical pop punk with easy core, almost yeah. effortless. Effortlessly, yeah, there's no it never feels jarring. It's like it always feels like they're trying to the song's trying to push itself forward, um, which is just really exciting to listen to and. The hooks are just mad. Like this and Better Late Than Never. Just catchy. Really catchy. And he's got a, a really, really unique voice. I which, do love the tone of it. Yeah, it goes a long way for pop punk bands because it's so easy for a lot of them to sort of blur into one. And hopefully they can get more attention because I think their music really deserves to be heard by more people. There'll be a link to the song on Spotify in the description of this episode. So listen to this first. Listen to the end of this podcast first and then you can go listen to that song. You can turn your spotlight off now. Yeah. <laughs> Deliberately. There's an absolute... <laughs> there's, there's a what? Do you talk or not? <laughs> no, which is difficult for doing a podcast, isn't it? There are a ridiculous amount of albums being released in September. We're just going to rattle off a list here. Pay attention and keep up. Yeah, Dan. <laughs> what? Hey, what's going on? On the 1st September, Ocean's 8 Alaska will have Disparity. On the 2nd, Miss Mao's Curse of Existence. The 9th September sees fucking loads of albums. Electric Callboy's <laughs> Techno. <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne's Patient Number 9. Straight from the Path of Euthanasia. Oh, and Parkway Drive with Darker still. <laughs> on the 16th September, Behemoth will release. I'm not going to try and pronounce the name of this album. Yeah, well, <laughs> No, I won't. Uh, oh, go on. <laughs> on. It's uh, Ops Contra Natram. <laughs> Butchered. The Devil Wears Prada released Colour Decay, and at the end of the month, on the 30th, Slipknot with the end so far. What are we most excited for? And let's I'm, end this segment quickly. I'm excited for that Behemoth album. What was it called again? <laughs> <laughs> it's called Ops Contra Natram. <laughs> I'm not sure that's what you called it the first time no. around. <laughs> Neither am I. Oh. I'm straight from the path I'm hyped for. That's going to be a lovely album, especially from the previews they've posted. They've posted like little 30 second previews of every track. Very excited. Do I have to pick one or can I pick no, five? No, you can pick, you can pick all of them if you want, mate. Ocean's Eight Alaska, Electric Callboy, Straight From The Path, Slipknot. Yep, agreed. I think that's the most exciting that segment's ever been. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, we've still got discussion to get through as well. Shall we have a look at some comments? Let's yes. do it. We did a, a video about Reading and Leeds and how Resident's Machine pulled out. Lots of people were upset about it. We recommended some other bands to see. Pete Devlin, Utna Boot. Here's <laughs> <laughs> his full channel name. Shout out. He does some vlogs as well. Go and check him out. Um, he said he's the man that's sulking hard about Rage Against the Machine. He had tickets to see them at Edinburgh and Leeds. Can't sell the Leeds tickets, so I'll probably go anyway. He thanked us for the tips. But uh, he says, I don't know if I can bring myself to watch the 1975, but who knows? Good luck. Try and have a good time still. Yeah. I've, There's going to be mean, other bands you can see that hopefully you can still enjoy your time at the festival. This podcast will be going out after the festival, probably. But um, yeah. hopefully you had a good time, Pete. We'll look forward to seeing your vlog if you've vlogged it. We put out a, uh, a full video of Kenny Hoopla playing Estella at 2000 Trees. Matthias has commented saying, this guy is going places, and we agree. That was just such a big set. And just a great cap off on that festival, I think. 
Yeah, Kenny Plus amazing. He's going to be one of the biggest names in pop punk soon. We also put out a full video of Holding Absence playing Like a Shadow acoustically at Download Festival. Uh, Austin Jennings commented saying it had to be one of their favourite sets of the entire weekend. I saw them earlier in the day and only found out about only found out about the secret set during Maiden and ran down and just about made it in time. I think exactly the same as all of us. We we saw both sets and each one was special in its own different way. And glad there's a part of that there that you can go back and, and relive because I think that acoustic set was, well, it was definitely a highlight of my summer. So is that all comments? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Today we're going to be talking about the change of Reading and Leeds Festival and asking the question, is it getting worse? Yes. Okay, that's it. That's Thanks for listening. Over. <laughs> it feels like there's been a shift over the last few years away from rock, heavy music, alternative music. Um, I feel like we should cl- probably clarify that we are three heavy music fans. So... If it seems like we're about to start grumbling about the fact there aren't enough heavy bands on the Reading and Leeds lineup, yeah, that's because that's what we're in, doing. Strap in, because that's what we're going to do. Where, where should we start? I, I went as I went to Reading Festival as recently as 2019, and I had an amazing time. Um, although I mainly like heavy music, I do like a little bit of kind of indie music and pop music as well. And what I really liked about Reading and Leeds was you could always have a big group of people there because there's always something for everyone there. Like I found myself sort of going off from the group every now and then to go and watch maybe a heavier band that they weren't as much into. But then we could go and watch someone else together like Twin Atlantic or The Wombats or something like that and have a really good time. The headliners that year were The 1975, Post Malone, 21 Pilots and Foo Fighters. So obviously there's kind of the start of a bit more of the poppy side of things with The 1975 and Post Malone. Um but you've still got your rock day there with Foo Fighters with on before them were a day to remember Frank Carr and the Rattlesnakes and then some other bands that we don't want to talk about further down Youngblood um, and Shikari that day as well build as special guests so there's still a bit of a kind of there's a rock, presence there's a rock yeah. presence there but then of course the pandemic hit so we went, we went like two years without a festival but then we went straight into last year's lineup which had Stormzy, Post Malone, and Liam Gallagher as headliners. And for me, you're kind of... Oh, Biffy Clyro as well as like a last-minute replacement. But for me, your big kind of rock artists immediately missing from that lineup. From those two in particular that you mentioned, personally for me, the only band that I would go and see would be Foo Fighters. They're the only one that would appeal to someone like me who is more... I'm less diverse in my music compared to you two. I'll have a range kind of from pop punk to heavy, but that is predominantly what I will listen to. So it would take a lot for someone with that kind of taste like me to actually go to Reading and Leeds. And a lot of that paying the large amount of money it is because it is one of the premier ones in the UK that is a lot more expensive. You're paying a lot of money and you want to be able to justify going and seeing the headliners. So for me, based on those ones there out of those two years, seeing one of those headliners being a selling point for me immediately limits my ability or my desire to go into this festival basically should we address the i guess the sort of catalyst for this discussion and that's what happened this year rage against machine pulled out they were replaced by the 1975 people were livid like furious there were petitions people tweeting emailing Ticketmaster relentlessly about refunds Um, apparently they have given out some refunds now um, but only if you pester them about it yeah, which is fucking ridiculous. Because you're going to have people who are going to go just for the day. They're going to see that based on them as a headliner. And I think it's it's important for them to be able to address that because if you look into their ticket kind of policies, it does say about unless there is a drastic change to it, which it is a change of genre. If you look through those days, there is a definition, I think, for the most part of a certain type of day. And they were like the heavy one. Apart from, you got Bring Me On the Saturday. But if you've got people who are coming just to see Rage Against the Machine, they don't tour often. They play rarely. Well, the people I felt sorry for were the people that, like James was saying, they haven't played in so, so long. 
there would have been people that bought a day ticket purely just to see Rage Against the Machine. And because of the way the terms and conditions work at events like this, when they pulled out and got replaced by the 1975, they then had a non-refund, at the time, non-refundable ticket to see a band that are nowhere near like either the level or the genre of Rage Against the Machine. So I felt sorry for those people and understood entirely why they were angry about it. Yeah. Raging, completely. you could say. The 1975 are a very big band. They're, I think they are more than worthy of headlining Reading, Reading and Absolutely. I, I saw them headline in 2019 and, and they were great. In, their, in were really Matty good. Healy's own words, they are not a replace, uh, you know, they're not a replacement for the Rage Against the Machine. I, I don't know. I felt like they could it's, have made a, a run for a band that is a bit it's, closer. It's tricky. It, it, it felt tricky. like a bit of a lose-lose. I don't think there was going to be no. any winners in that scenario whatsoever, unless you're one of the people that was tweeting saying that Rage Against the Machine are goth screaming in your ears, and the that you'd is, rather have the 1975. From from the perspective of, let's say, Reading and Leeds, and the organisers behind that, this was two weeks before the event. They would have had to have absolute 100% assurances that whoever was going to fill this spot would be able to Travel, all that kind of thing. So immediately, on this late notice, I, I think it's got to be a UK band, it's really. Be either a UK-based band or a band that's in Europe at the time. So immediately, their pool of artists has shrunk. And so to, in some way, defend them, they're going to have a small category of bands that they could they could call in who would fit Reading and Leeds kind of bill because... yeah. Although there were people saying about recently with the popularity of a band like Metallica based on stuff like Stranger Things and how much more mainstream that's got, there was no way in hell that was ever going to happen. No chance. It had to be something realistic, something that they could pull in from the UK. And so really, a band like they, them... They did a great job to get a replacement like the 1975 mm. in. For headline on, capacity on kind of thing. Notice. It's just, like I said, there was, there was never going to be any winners there really. No. It, yeah, it was a loser situation, but I think it was the thing that sort of sparked the the discussion because a lot of people were saying, well, mm. them, they pulled out, obviously, because of Zach's injury, then Maniskin pulled out, and suddenly a lot of people who were there for some degree of heavy music have turned around and said, well, now... Yeah, and have been completely alienated. Yeah. yeah, and like the, the thing that irked me the most about the entire situation was that Reading and Leeds pretty much skirted making any sort of they never announced that Rage Against the Machine weren't on the lineup. They just I think I guess assumed that everyone had already heard. I think they maybe made like one like there were a Saki tweet with a There were a couple of tweets that were deleted. And then they immediately went into promoting the nineteen seventy five. And if you look at the And when they announced when they announced the nineteen seventy five they said something along the lines of I don't know if they deleted it or not, but they said something along the lines of, Oh, we do spoil you. Yeah. While they should have been aware that there was a lot of people that were like irate that Rage yeah. Against the Machine weren't there anymore. I think the I think that for me it was like it that the way that they sort of responded to it showed mm. just a lack of care to that part of their audience. And that's why I think that for us as he- fans of heavy music it's getting worse because I don't think they care anymore. 2018 no, I mean Reading Reading and Leeds has always been a popular music festival. Mm-hmm. So to their defence rock and metal isn't the popular music of no. this day and age anymore. No. It is kind of rap. R and B rap. And uh, yeah. And Dave, Megan the Stallion. Who are a great artist in their own right, but yeah. again when it's it's like there's been no kind of transition period. You've had that two thousand nineteen lineup, which I think was a great balance of loads of different genres. And then you go straight to like the 2021 lineup, which was just almost immediately rap and pop. Yeah, there's been no kind of transition period. And I mean, if we're going to look at how it's changed, I guess you've got to see what the differences are between the festival pre-pandemic and now. Like now, they've got the two main stages, like east and west, that run opposite each other with no clashes between their artists, which for me is like really odd because you look at the lineup poster for the Saturday. And you've got Enter Shikari, D Block Europe, then Bring Me the Horizon. But in reality, because of the two opposite stages, you're going to have Enter Shikari, and then Fontaines, and then D Block Europe, and then Wolf Alice, and then Bring Me the Horizon. You're going from Shikari into Bring Me. Perfect. That's two genres that match together. 
but you're going to be having Enter Shikari and then someone else and then Bring Me the Horizon. Almost which like... doesn't make much sense. And you're going to have Bring Me the Horizon going into Arctic Monkeys, which is just so... Ludicrous. Weird. Yeah. What you're saying there from Shikari to Bring Me, and for someone who's a fan of like alternative music, and especially those two, that could make it one of the best days of the year for you that makes mm, reading yep. and leads a highlight that may even end up bringing you back next year something as simple as just like the order of the bands on stagings and how they go through it can be like a make or break for some people the festival and their perception of it afterwards and if they're going to become a repeat buyer and they're going to come back again next year that could change the whole perspective for someone the other thing is as well because there's now these two main stages that are kind of meant to be of equal size to each other they've had to make room for that so they've got rid of the radio one enemy stage there's no more the pit lockup stage, which was originally like the home for like the heavy music and the like the up and coming alternative bands. Um, which is like I mentioned, you could I could go with a big group of friends. They might go and see, I don't know, Bastille or something, and then I can go and see Pup or like someone else on a different stage. Because yeah. there'd be a home for each genre. There'd be a dance tent. There'd be like another stage that might have some more rappers and things on. There might be some indie rock on the main stage and then something heavier on like the pit stage. They so have there's variety. Some, there's variety like and a great balance of it, which I, I thought was a great balance of it. You could just go and, like a big pick and mix, you can go and just choose whatever you want it to do. Whereas now it feels like it's very much like maybe one or two different genres. Yeah. With the occasional band like Bring Me The Horizon sticking out like a sore thumb on this poster. That That's the thing is like, it no longer feels like, like you said, the pick and mix. It now feels like they're in the planning stage and gone, oh shit, we've got to throw a token heavy band yeah. or two in there now. And the problem is, you, like you said, you could make, you used to be able to make a day of, if you're a fan of just heavy music, you could go to Reading and Leeds and make a day of it or even make a weekend of it and be fine. And now it's like we looked at the this lineup and just thought, there's no fucking way it's worth well, that money. It used to be that they'd they'd curate kind of each day and it would be a good way to sell day tickets. Like on that 2019 lineup I mentioned, you had Foo Fighters, A Day to Remember, Frank Carr and the Rattlesnakes, and then Shikari all on the same day. That's that's a ticket a, sold. That's that's your that's a yeah. day ticket for a rock fan sold. Yeah, it just seems like when they made this move to double main stages, six headliners, it was like, well, something's got to go. Fuck it. The lock yeah, up we'll get stage, we'll get yeah. rid of the heavy stuff this genre yeah it's also telling with the kind of changing of the guard of like genres when you're seeing bands that are kind of like more chilled rock in that kind of regard like a Foo Fighters even different like a Green Day like a Red Hot Chili Peppers being more closely linked and rumored for something like Download Festival than they are about Reading and Leeds it is a very clear notice on how that perception how there is a shift in kind of where these bands are going to be more marketable now. And almost like Download is turning into something that is a little bit more wider ranging than people may perceive it to be, I guess. People always assume it's just like the heavy bands and all that kind of thing. And especially with the option potentially next year with like a four four day kind of run of music. All kinds of names are being thrown about there, but I do keep seeing Green Day being mentioned quite a lot at the moment, especially in the forums, and people are kind of like bringing that up as an idea. And personally, for me, as a heavy fan, I grew up on Green Day. They were like my pathway band. I would absolutely love that. That's for me, would be an instant headliner. And when you're seeing, like, they only headlined it, I think, mid-2010s, that already we're seeing the shift over from them being from a Reading and Leeds band to a download band, you're showing that it's not just, oh, it's the heavy music, even just some of like the rocky, punkier kind of stuff, not even being accepted at Reading and Leeds, really. Yeah, this this brings up a hole in the debate, really, because if, like you said, it's not just the heavy music that's being ejected from Reading and Leeds, it's rock. Al- almost like rock as a whole, guitar music as a whole. I think they'll. I'm worried that Bring Me the Horizon won't have a big crowd for their set because there's just nothing else really like them on the lineup. But, like, yeah, some rock pop bands maybe wouldn't be accepted at Reading and Leeds, but then they're also not heavy enough or not considered heavy enough to play Download Festival. So yeah. where do they go? feels like by by Reading and Leeds sort of chopping off the arm to save the rest of the body by getting rid of the heavy stuff, it's left a, a pool of bands that, like you said, just don't feel like they have a home now. Because, but then the confusing like said, thing is, Reading and Leeds and Download are both run by 
Festival Republic, or at least Live Nation, yeah. who are like the parent company of Festival Republic. Surely it'd be a great business move if you want Reading Leeds to go down this route of being just like pop music and almost like a Radio 1 festival. Why don't you just move all of these alt-rock bands and all the alternative music to download and make that, rebrand it as not just a metal festival, but a rock festival? I mean, because then, like, we've spoken about the problem of Download Festival before. Is that, is that the solution? Make it how Reading and Leeds used to be. Make it, make it a popular rock festival. Because Rebranding. Download, download could quite easily curate, like you said, because so many festivals want to sell day tickets. They could curate a day that is more rock rather have, than metal. Have yeah. a metal day. Have a pop punk day. Have a rock day. Have a, yeah, have a pop rock day. I yeah. don't know. That's, that's the other thing as well, like you said, with... With Live Nation being the parent company and essentially owning both Download and Reading and Leeds, it always seemed bizarre to me that you would want to put Rage Against Machine at Reading and Leeds rather than Download yeah. anyway, even to begin with, because and to book them twice as well. Yeah, like they weren't going by the social media reaction, they weren't received well the first time they were booked. Yeah. Out of the three days, I believe they were the last one to have day tickets sold out. From what I'd seen, that would be because they had a, a weak undercard underneath them. Yeah, they um, didn't. They didn't really have any rock music underneath. And that, the thing is, if if Melvin Ben legitimately gives a shit about people enjoying themselves, put them on download because people will. I guarantee you, the download mm. audience will enjoy Rage Against Machine full set more than the Reading and Leeds lineup, the Reading and Leeds crowd. Because let's be honest, and oh, it's going to sound so like gatekeeper elitist of me, but like. What are they going to know besides Killing in the Name and maybe Bulls on Parade? And I don't, yep. but I just don't believe in my heart that the Reading and Leeds crowd are going to sit through an hour and ten minutes of Reading Against Machine set just to hear Killing in the Name. I just think people would get bored, and then they re- then they're received poorly, and then that gives Reading and Leeds more strength in their argument to keep cutting out heavy music. Yeah. If well, it's the, the thing, the thing is, it's not it's not wrong of Reading and Leeds to start cutting out that kind of music. It's completely yeah. understandable. Like I said, it's always been a pop festival, a popular music festival. It just happens that that kind of music isn't as popular anymore. They're leaning towards their market. They found their market now, and I think they're a guaranteed sellout every year now, anyway, regardless of the lineup. Because but that becomes more the culture of who actually almost, goes to it, and that's it not seems to be us. a bit of a rite of passage now that you get your GCSE results or your A level results, and you go to Reading and Leeds Festival to party. Yeah. I think regardless of the lineup, that's what's going to happen every year. It will sell out amongst that kind of market. Um, so I, I'm not annoyed at Reading and Leeds at all for just catering to that market. It's a great business decision for starters. And also, like I said, it's a popular music festival. They're going to put on the bands that are popular. Yeah. It just confuses me that they're not seizing the opportunity of either sending these bands that they're alienating over to download or setting up a completely new festival that can house yeah. these bands. The way the lineup's been the last two years and the direction it's been going, the kind of clientele they're attracting, it's not starting to not look like my kind of thing anymore. The appeal has gone. Yeah. But another thing, like, they do have some heavy bands on here. You've got Fever 333, um, Static Dress, Horror. There are some heavier bands here, but because there's so few of them, it feels like it's almost pointless than being there. It'd almost be better if they weren't there. Mm. Yeah. And they'd put them somewhere else than just almost just force them onto this lineup to go, there you go, there's your there's your guitar bands. Because they're slightly smaller bands as well, so it's almost like a, they're giving them the audience, but they're not giving them the right audience. No. P- if-, if someone's going there to see Little Sims, Dave and Megan the Stallion, they're not going to go and see Witch Fever. No. They're not going to go and see Tiger Cub or Fever 333 or Horror or Static Dress or any of these like small up-and-coming heavy bands. Why Why were Fever 333 not booked on the same day as Rage Against the Machine? Yeah. Like, Fever 333, so until Rage Against the Machine came back, but kind of didn't come back, mm. <laughs> Fever 333 were kind of the closest you could get to a band like Rage Against the Machine, I think. Yeah. So why why are Fever three 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 on the Friday at Reading and Rage were booked for the Sunday? It doesn't make any sense. No. And also the problem with the now six headliners is so much of their 
budget is going on booking those bands. But the rest of the lineup yeah, is so It does so feel a lot short. like that. Yeah. just feels so light. It's like, you, and having would you see in the daytime? Having those two main stages with no clashes on as well, it feels like a reason to book less bands and save some money. It's just a problem with when it's a major festival like this. Same with Download. It's just a business. It's a business. It's very commercialised. I mean, look at the sponsors that Reading and Leeds has. Nando's. Yeah. Nando's, Carlsberg, Co-op, Three, Barclays, Bacardi. Bloody. So many. That's not even half the list. Mm. It's all so commercial, which is why I think a lot of medium-sized festivals like 2000 Trees are starting to thrive right now because people are sick of stuff like this. That's a better alternative. Moving forward, do we think the solution is for them to just drop heavy music com- entirely? Make let, a commitment let, I think it, so. Let yeah. those bands find either download trees well, or I, wherever I they I think it would be a great business decision from Festival Republic to either rebrand download as an alternative rock festival rather than a metal festival. Stop this stigma of Biffy Kyra aren't heavy enough. They don't. It's, it's, a, it's a metal festival. We can't have Biffy Kyra here. And open the arms to alternative music at download. Which will or, help with their headliner situation. Absolutely. It gives them a bigger pool to choose from. Or just make an entirely new, smaller festival for the rock music. I, I completely agree with that. I think you've hit the, hit the nail on the head there. But if they're going to do that, they need to make sure that they make a full commitment to that. Whereas you look at this year where it's almost half-assed in a way. And you have like almost like you've said before, those token bands that are there. You can't have that. You make the commitments one way or another as to what decision almost, you're making. It's almost like an afterthought. Afterthought. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh shit, we need well, to appeal to that crowd. Yeah, we need to. Oh yeah, we need to get those like goths pleased. Great. But yeah, I have no problem with Reading and Leeds doing what they're doing and just like I said, they're a pop festival. They're gonna they're a popular fe- music festival. They're gonna book whatever's popular. Just either do that and stop putting all these little token offering offerings in. Or diversify a bit more, like you did a few years ago. It'd be interesting to have someone like Melvin Ben on the podcast, actually. If Melvin Ben wants to rebuttal any of uh, the Reading Leeds slander we've chucked his way, it shit. Feel free to get in touch, mate. Well, no, well, no, no. Like we've said, it's not shit. It's just it's moving away. Trying to bait him. Oh, right. Okay. We could. Yeah. It's shit. Basically, basically we're saying we could book it better. If you want to come on the podcast, challenge us. We'll have a book off. Yeah. Cheeky. Uh, but let us know in the comments. Do you think Reading and Leeds is getting worse? Is this lineup utter dog shit? Are we wrong? Or maybe you don't want any goths or grebos there at all, and you want it to be a complete pop music festival. In which case, fair enough. We won't. You know, we're not going. So that's three less emos to worry about. I don't know. But if Reading and Leeds wants to <laughs> give us accreditation, then we'll go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll take the ticket. I am paying for a ticket. Fucking hell. <laughs> Right, before we wrap this up, let's recommend an album for next time. I recently did my own review of Ocean's at Alaska drummer Chris Turner's debut album. It's a fun instrumental album. Um, I absolutely loved it, and I want you guys to check it out. As we talked about the New Movement song earlier, and James said it's his only real exposure to it, I'm going to recommend Feel Something by Movements so that James can... Truly see movements at their best. Oh man, what an album. I'm going to recommend uh, I'm Afraid of Everything by Wish You Were Here. This is Jesse from Stitch Your Guns side project. And uh, basically James was, we were listening to the Stitch Your Guns album together and you were quite taken aback by the closing song. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's quite delicate nature. And this entire album is like that. So I think Dan will quite up your street I think it would be an interesting like, one to see if you like it I like Trade Wind as well there's other oh, bands yes. so so looking yeah looking forward to it it's, it's one of my favourite albums I think it's only like 8 or 9 songs super easy brilliant album if you're new here we vlogged a whole load of shit from festival season we went to Slam Dunk Download Outbreak 2000 Trees and Truck there's a playlist that you can watch with all of those vlogs in it we do this podcast every month where we talk about a whole load of shit uh which you've just experienced. You've just experienced. But if you if you loved it that much, you can go listen to a previous episode if you want. What else we've got going on? 
reaction videos for any good songs that are coming out or even shit songs that are coming out. Who knows? Because we're reacting to them. Uh, we've got tier lists. We've got video essays. We've got beginner's guides on bands that you may know like their names, but maybe you haven't checked them out. So we're going to give you a few songs to kind of lead you in that direction. We also have a Spotify exclusive show called Ragamuffin Radio where we pick five tunes, some independent artists, some just absolute bangers and uh, kind of talk you through what we've been listening to. And if you also don't like the direction that Reading and Leeds is going in, we've got some archive videos with some highlights from Reading Festival of the Past. So you might like to go and reminisce of what it used to be. Make sure you leave a comment, preferably one that starts an argument so that we can reply. Like the video. Fucking smash the shit out of that subscribe button. So <laughs> I just need the waveform. <laughs> we'll um see you maybe, later. Maybe we'll see you next time. Maybe we'll see you next time.